tonight and turn to Lamentations. Lamentations 3, which is where everybody who preached from this book, if you're doing it one time, probably goes to. Passage, Lord's mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great as your faithfulness is in this chapter. That's not where we're headed. But we are going to look at verses 48 through 51. Lamentations 3, 48 through 51. If you have a pen, we're going to circle the little phrase, my eyes. That's our main focus tonight. You'll see it three times in the text. Let me read it for you, beginning in verse 48. My eyes flow with rivers of tears because of the destruction of the daughter of my people. My eyes will flow without ceasing, without respite, until the Lord from heaven looks down and sees. My eyes cause me grief at the fate of the daughter's of my city. How many stories do you know or tell me a story that you know that the main character in the story cried in that story that's written in the Bible? Tell me someone that cried in the Bible and try not to use the people we already mentioned. Although I'll forgive you if you do. Barb? Yes. Yep. Ruth, Orpah, when they were departing from one another, chapter 1, they cried. Yep, I got that one down. What are some other ones? Yes, Sandy. When Paul was saying goodbye to the Ephesus church leaders because he was on his way to Jerusalem, alone, it was when saying goodbye to them probably for the last time. Yep, they cried, wept on the shore. That's right, Ephesians and Paul. Yes? Well, he probably did. You're probably right. I'd, I'd cry if they were going to cut my head off too, I think. You're probably right about that. Someone else? Tim? Esau when he lost the blessing. Yes, Esau. Actually, two times. At various times he cried, Esau did. Someone else. There's so many. It's incredible if you look through the Bible. I was shocked. Anybody else? Esther cried when she was before the king was telling him what Haman had plotted to do. Remember, she cried. Uh, Nehemiah wept over Jerusalem being burned. David wept over not being able to be close with Jonathan anymore. Remember that? Or when he died. He, Ziklag, David wept when they came and stole all of his family and all the children and the wives and all that. He wept over Absalom when he was dead. He wept over the baby that died as a result of his sin. What else? Hagar. Why did Hagar cry? You remember? Remember she thought Ishmael was going to die. She was out in the wilderness, and so she put him under the bush and, and walked away thinking, I'm not going to watch my son die. So she sat over there and cried. When she was crying, God met her and came to her. Hannah cried. We said that one already. 
There's a lot of them in the Bible. I won't go through all of them. But crying is not as uncommon as you might think. Here's general observations. At least that's how I categorize them. Um, Here's the things I learned from reading all. I took the time to read all the verses of every time someone cried. And I came away with these. There is a time to weep, and there is a time not to weep. In fact, those are the exact quotation in Ecclesiastes 3. says there is a time to weep. And then, do you remember the strange saying of Jesus to some degree? He's taking, bearing his cross on the road to Calvary, walking up the Via Dolorosa, and he tells the women what on the side of the road? Yeah, don't weep for me. Weep for who? Weep for yourselves. So there, you know what? There's a time where your weeping may be misplaced. And Jesus let us know that. We're to weep with people and for people. Romans 12, 15, weep with those who weep. And I also read, you're weeping for people. Lamentations is all about weeping for people. I came to the realization, weepers are not weaker. That's my little phrase I came up with. They're not weak. You're not weak when you weep. In fact, you're strong to be able to do it. Um, Jesus said, listen to this, it's better to weep now. He said that in, in Luke's version of the Beatitudes because if you don't weep now, you'll probably get end up we- weeping later eschatologically and it won't be good. Um, weeping should be for individuals and for groups. Ask yourself, when's the last time you prayed for a g- large group of people? That's uncommon, I think. Weeping reveals sinfulness, brokenness, and often weakness. Weeping, I found, can be manipulative. Meaning you can weep, and not purposely sometimes either, but sometimes out of love and care that's a little bit misplaced based on what God wants from the person. Paul, next chapter over from what Sandy said with Ephesians 21 He's going to Jerusalem and he may end up being beaten and possibly die there, according to Agabus, the prophet. And Paul says to them as they're crying, don't go, don't go. He says, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? In other words, stop it, <laughs> right? So he didn't want them to be weeping. They were trying to cry. Now, not purposely manipulative, but they wanted to change his mind. Um, and, and sometimes it is purposely manipulative, right? We can cry to try to get our way. And don't tell me you've never had kids that did that, right? And I know that adults, we would never do that, probably, but right? Weeping models Jesus. It models Jesus. So to some degree, everyone should be weeping because that's what Jesus does. And I put this, overall, the world is a valley of tears. We will be weeping all the way through our lives. Lastly, there will be a day, love this, two verses, identical in the Greek, Revelation 7, 17, and 21, 4. God will wipe away all tears. So there'll be a day when we won't cry anymore. And I almost want to say because of that, we need to cry here correctly because someday we won't need to anymore, right? So if you're in Lamentations, before I get there, three books. Johnny Erickson Tata, actually an old book, and I want to say 20 plus years old. Um, Fantastic book, When God Weeps. It's a great book. If you've never read it, you should get a copy. I think you can, it's now in paperback, $12 and some odd cents. Well worth it. Really good book, really good book. If you know anything about her and the people that she knows because of her 
or accident, you'll find it be very, very challenging and encouraging at the same time. Two other ones that are about lamenting, uh, dark, same author, Dark Clouds, Deep Mercy, and Weep With Me, both by Mark Vrogop, I think it says, how you say it. But they're really good books, easy reads, and I think that you'd get a really good handling of lamentations and what weeping means and how God uses it. So those are some the three books that you might want to refer to on a popular level that might be of help to you. Lamentations, the word lamentations, the title of the book comes from the Hebrew word chapter 1, 2, and 4. All begin with it. ESV, if you're holding that tonight, starts with the word how. It's, it's a Hebrew word, how. It's ake is the word, and it means how or where or it can be alas, and it's, a, it's an emotional word. It's not just how is that happening. No, it's how. It's very emotional word, and this is what the word of the people suffering are doing. They're asking how in the world, God, alas, God, we're, we can't believe that this is all taking place. And if you read the entirety of Lamentations, you'll know exactly why. Babylon came in 587 and sacked Jerusalem, tore it down, and burned it to the ground. It was devastating. The place of their worship, Solomon's temple, all of it gone, and it would never really be rebuilt to its uh, former glory ever. And, th- and they were blown away by that. You'll find that Lamentations is an emotional book, and hear me when I say, and God's okay with that. He doesn't stifle emotions. He doesn't get people to try to stop them. We know emotions in and of themselves are deceptive and need to be springing from truth. And that's always the case. Jonathan Edwards wrote in one of his books that he prayed every Sunday that every time he preached that people's emotions would be stirred as high as the truth that they were hearing. And, and I believe that's a great thing to think about. So it's a very emotional book. Lots of emotional words and responses and a lot of crying going on. It's, a crazy, it's an unusually formed book. I don't know if you recognize it. But have you noticed, look at all the chapters. Chapter 1, 2, 4, and 5, five poems, all set by, side by side. They all have 22 verses. Did you notice that? And then chapter 3, which is the climax in the middle poem, is a derivative of it. In other words, it's 66, which is 3 times 22. And the reason is, is that Jeremiah starts, there's 22 consonants in the Hebrew alphabet. And verse 1, the first word starts, I'm going to use English, uh, Aleph in Hebrew, but A, B, C, if we had 22, and they don't have vowels, they're not written, they're spoken. So 22 vowels, A in the second verse would start with B, third verse start with C. And all four of those chapters, all three, the last five, five, chapter five has 22 verses, but he stopped doing that um, because I, I think because there's a tension and he doesn't really solve the problem of why they suffer so much and what God is doing. And I think he has a little despair at the end of that chapter. But in the middle, amazingly, the climax is he triples everything that he's been doing. So the first three are A-A-A, and the next three verses are B-B-B, if we would say it in English. So he does that 66 verses, and it's the climax. And that's why the very center verse is the one that everybody loves. Your mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great. That is the very center of the book. Coming off of that center... And springing forth from those truths are the passage that we're about tonight. Jeremiah might say, 
if he was here and using American English, he'd say, I'm going to talk to you in this book about suffering from A to Z. And that's why I wrote it this way. I want you to know that there's suffering all throughout your life. Every chapter, every part, there's going to be difficulties in your lives. So how are you going to respond to it? How are you going to work your way through it? And what he wants us to say that as you do, it's good for us to weep with others and for others. And so if you want to learn to weep like Jeremiah, we always say Jesus wept, but let's tonight think about Jeremiah wept and what that means. There are two main sources or reasons for biblical reaping and uh, weeping. And I'm going to put them together for you tonight. We're going to look at them. Let's look at the first one, Jeremiah's horizontal reason for weeping. And that's the first and last verses of our little set, verses 48 and 51. Again, three times, 48, 49, and 51, he says, my eyes, over and over again. And the first, so I want to have you look at it this way tonight if you're taking notes. When it comes to weeping, there are two eye problems, right? This is why people weep, right? First one is this. Jeremiah was weeping because of the things that his eyes could see. All right, he says, verse 48, My eyes flow with rivers of tears because of the destruction of my people. Verse 51, My eyes cause me grief at the fate of all the daughters of my city. And in the middle, he says the same thing again in verse 49 about my eyes. Here's the first thing you're going to know. is It's horizontal with him. He looks out, and you remember, Jeremiah stayed in Jerusalem. So he knows about the city. He knows how bad the condition is. He knows how horrible. Read the book of Jeremiah. I mean, it went from having children playing everywhere and families being great to literally women in, the, in Jerusalem during the siege that, I hate to say it, would eat their own children. Now talk about unbelievable drastic change. So, so let me tell you this. It's awful. It's awful what's taking place in Jerusalem, and, and Jeremiah has seen it with his own eyes. He looks at it. He sees his people. And here's the thing I want you to catch. Here's how weeping becomes a part of your life when you're doing it for other people. Jeremiah's eyes, if you'll notice in the text, are connected to his heart. Okay? His eyes are connected to his heart. What do you mean, Pastor Walker? Notice and circle the personal pronouns. Remember I told you and drew your attention to my eyes? Now watch. My eyes, verse 48, and then at the end he says, my people. You see the other one? My eyes, and he says, it's connected to my soul and my city. Do you see this? He says, my eyes, my people, my city, my soul. Jeremiah is not moved to tears simply because the walls are broken down. He is moved to tears because the people are broken down. When I was growing up, I don't know if you had this experience in your home. My dad did it with us and I did it with our children is that in our home we were taught there are things you can cry about and things you cannot cry about. Did you have that in your home? My dad would tell, my, my, my kids would ask me, Dad, can I go to so-and-so's house? And I go, no, you can't. 
it's Sunday or whatever the reason was, we're not going over there. Well, they would start crying. Now, my dad said it. I didn't pick up this one, but my dad used to say when I started crying about something, he said, you know, my response was selfish. He says, keep crying, and I'll give you something to really cry about. Do you ever have that happen to you? Now, my dad was from Texas, and they did switches down there. You know what switches are? They would take the real thin branches off, shave off the leaves, and then my dad would have to grab his ankles, and my grandfather, that was how it went back then, right? I didn't do the switches, and I didn't do the phrase, but I believed in the principle of it, right? And I told my kids, we don't cry about that. That's not worth crying about. And then I would tell them things that they could cry about, which they didn't have any clue about, but they didn't want to cry about those. But they were crying mainly because they've come to the realization because I told them what? No. They don't like that. You're not going to have that. You are not. You you see him in the store, the little kid in the cart, the mom's pushing him, and he reaches out for the toy. I want that. No. Ah! I mean, like, and then he more is like screaming, yelling, I want that, throwing a temper tantrum. It's, It's embarrassing, actually. Um, so kids do that, and parents say no, they can't have it. Now, I know as adults, we would never throw a tantrum, right? Not anybody could see anyways. But I've watched, I'm a kind of a tennis fan, and so I watched the major tennis tournaments, and the people that are really they, their, their favorite player, and they lose. And, or you watch the NBA or the NFL, and I've seen people in the stands like this, and then they take their hands out, oh, and the tears just coming out. I go, listen, it's just the Eagles. Give me a break, <laughs> right? I mean, you, you can't be, you know, and you're playing. This is a tennis match. You don't know these people, but they're crying. I mean, really crying. I mean, like I thought someone had died in their family. My dad would say, you can't cry over that. You can't cry over that. And, you, and he, he said this, and you can't, cry. my dad corrected me, if I cried about something legitimate, you can't cry that much. That's too much. I mean, you're going to throw yourself on the floor for that? You can't, fl- you can't do that. So my dad told me, no, you can't do that. So I try to teach my kids. You can't, I said, if you cry like that, what are you going to do when dad dies? <laughs> right? I mean, I hope you could cry that hard for that. But they were crying like the world was coming to an end. See, listen, what you cry about, how much you cry, you know why? It communicates. It communicates value. See? Now watch. The Bible says that Jeremiah doesn't just cry for the city. Now, hear me. It's, it would have been okay to cry for the city. You know why? Because Jerusalem was symbolic of God's presence, the temple, the Holy of Holies. It was very, it was, everybody prayed for the peace and shalom of Israel and of Jerusalem, right? Because it was symbolic. So Nehemiah, in chapter one, hears from his brother that the city has been burned and broken down. And it says, when I heard those words, I sat down and wept. So it wouldn't be wrong to pray for or, or to weep over the city and all that it meant, and it's all gone, that wouldn't have been wrong to do. It's not wrong, and I've watched it on the news. Have you seen people, their house burned down, and they're outside, and they're crying about it? And I don't think, I don't think it's just that their house burned down, although that's tragic. It's everything inside their house. 
all their clothes, their pictures of their family, the things they loved about it keeps it. I mean, all their, I mean, a lot of their life was inside there in some ways. So it wouldn't be wrong to do that. But you notice the words he does? What does he cry about? He calls it the daughters of the city. He calls it the daughters of my people. So you know what blows him away more than the city and all it symbolized is the people. It blew him away for the people. 18 times, 18 times. He doesn't just call the city daughter of Judah, daughter of Zion, daughter of Jerusalem, over and over again. You know what moves him? You know what really wrecks Jeremiah? People. People. And the daughter is singular, and it's also daughters plural. It's not wrong to cry for the city, but not more than the people. So I came up with this quote. Our eyes will be filled with tears when our hearts are filled with people. See, Jeremiah had a heart and a love on the horizontal level for people. That's why he wept. So I would say, flip it over. Empty eyes means empty heart. I think if there is no crying, there may be no closeness in people's lives. But remember what I said my dad taught? Not just what you cry about, how much you cry. Now watch. Verse 48. He says, it flows with rivers of tears. Rivers. Not faucet, not drip, not little bit. We're talking rivers of tears. And then he says, next verse, same word flow in both of them, without ceasing and without respite. It means it's ongoing, it doesn't stop. So let me tell you this. Have you ever had someone tell someone he's crying and they cry for a while over whatever the loss is? I have actually heard someone tell, say right to their face, you need to get over it. And there may be a time where that probably is true. In that case where I heard the person say it, it definitely wasn't. You know, in the time Nehemiah found out in chapter 1, verse 4, that the city was broken down and people were, you know, when he found all, all of that, and then it says he stood before the king and asked if he could go back and rebuild it. And it says when he found out, he says, I wept and I prayed and I fasted and I mourned. And you know what it says? From this month to Chislev. So you know what it meant? He was often crying in his prayers for four months. I'm certainly glad, I bet people were glad that he didn't just get over it. Have you ever prayed, are you praying for someone who is unsaved and you prayed and prayed? I had someone tell me that they've been praying for 20 years and often during those 20 years they thought they should quit. I'm glad they just didn't get over it. But they kept praying. Have you ever prayed for someone who is a Christian or at least claims to be one but they're living prodigal life and against away from God and it's they're never going to turn around, but pray about it. Cry about it, Jeremiah says, because you'd be surprised what the mercies of God can do. That's why this whole book is like a funeral. It's like a death. These people are experiencing a loss that is so traumatic that they just really can't get over it. And here he says, without ceasing, and interesting, if you draw a big line in that famous verse, 
Lamentations 3.22, your mercies are without ceasing or never come to an end. Without ceasing mercies, now turn over to this verse, without ceasing tears. See, you know, you know why Jeremiah could keep weeping and praying without ceasing? Because God's mercies were without ceasing in his life. And the more God poured out his kindness, the more it broke Jeremiah's heart for his people. People need God's mercy. And Jeremiah knew how merciful God had been to him, and it brought him to tears, and it kept bringing him to tears. That's how you stay on your knees, and that's how you stay in tears. In verse 51, he says, My eyes cause me grief. And the word used in chapter 1, verse 12 and 22, means to deer, deal severely or harshly with. In other words, here's, what ha here, here's how he kept going. Listen, he got on his knees and he was weeping and praying for Israel that God would have mercy and restore them. Listen, and every time he got on his knees, it was harsh. It was severe pain. Have you ever had someone in a trite way tell you, oh, I feel your pain? And you wonder, could they really? Do you really? Or are you just saying that? Jeremiah could say it and mean it. He really felt their pain. He took on what was their hurt and their grief. And how did he do it? Can I tell you how do you do it? Because Jeremiah had a because. I looked at all the verses where it says, my eyes. There are five of them, two outside of this passage. Chapter 1 and chapter 2 both have another one. But you know what is often linked to those passages about his weeping and crying for Israel and with Israel. You know what it is? He says, here, I do it because, I do it because of the destruction of my people. I do it because they've been such sin and God's point. I do it because he had a because. See, do you have a because in your life? You know what? I keep praying because this person is ruining their life. They are choosing to marry this person. They're choosing to live with this person. They're choosing to do this with their body and their life. See, and, and I pray because, because of where they're headed, because of the life they're living, because of what's happening to, because of where they're going to end up spending eternity. See, there is no staying on your knees. There won't be tears coming down. I've come to the realization in my life unless there is a real because. And you see you see it for yourself. There's a because. Josh Wilson has a song, I Refuse. The first verse goes like this. Sometimes I just want to close my eyes. Boy, that hit me. And act like everyone else is all right when I know they're not. The world needs God, but it's easier just to stand and watch. I could say a prayer and just move on like nothing's wrong. I think it's too easy, isn't it? Have you ever asked someone, I, I've tried to stop this. Would you pray for, the, for this? I'll pray for you. And I don't want to say I didn't, so I'll do it right then. But what happens? It's easier just to move on. Kind of just put it inside. But I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to say, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to write it down to keep praying for them, and then I'm going to try to check up on them. You know Why? Because I don't think they'd want me to say a prayer for that person just so I can say I did what I said. There's something wrong, isn't there? That's not where your eyes are tied to your heart. 
That's just doing what's perfunctory and right, quote-unquote. Jeremiah refused to close his eyes. He didn't just move on as if everybody's going to be okay. He didn't. And that's what kept him weeping. There's the horizontal reason. And I'm going to close with the last one, shorter. Jeremiah had a vertical reason. And that's verses 49 and 50. Please look at this. See, he was weeping for these people because of what his eyes could see. But watch, vertically, he kept weeping because he was afraid of what God wasn't seeing. You see what verse 49 says? My eyes flow without ceasing, without respite, until, see, circle that. See, until I keep weeping, here's why. Because what I have seen makes me cry. But here's what I'm also knowing. I'm not sure, I know this is metaphorical, I'm not sure that God is seeing it. See, I'm going I'm to weep until the Lord from heaven looks down and sees. See that? God, we know God sees. It wasn't that Jeremiah didn't have good theology that God somehow is, oh, really, that's happening? No, he knows God sees. But in the Bible, when God sees, Exodus 2, 24 and 25, it says, and God looked down on the Israelites, and here's the brunt of it. He looked down and he did something about it. He sent Moses and delivered them. When you want God to see in the Bible, you're just not wanting him to notice or pay attention or look at it. You want him to see and do something. And here's what Jeremiah says. You know what? I'm going to keep pr- pr- crying and weeping. You know what I'm, why I'm going to do it? Because I want to pray and weep that God will look at this and do something. Do something. And that's what he's praying. Until the Lord, 35 times in Lamentations, the Lord, capital L, capital O-R-D, all of them, Yahweh, covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God. God, you said that Jerusalem would be it, your presence would be here, and everything is torn down. How is that keeping your promises? You look at your life, the life of someone else, and you say, look at them, look at them, look at this. God, you, pro- you can do things. When are you going to do it? In the, in the Lamentations, they're not afraid to say those types of things. God saw and he acted. That's what they're looking for. The Lord from heaven. See, you know why he gets on his knees? You know what the vertical reason is? Because as much as important as it is that Jeremiah sees it, he knows it's not enough. He can do some things he can be God's hands and feet. And so you, listen, you can do what you can do and it's great and we should do all of that. But he knows this, unless God also sees, meaning does something, then it's not gonna change anything. See, you know why we weep? We weep because God, I'm looking at this, but I want you to look at it. I want you to look at this person. I want you to look at this situation. I want you to look at this and I want you to do something because here's what I need. God, it's not me so much as it is you. You doing it. And I need to cry out for your help. Gandalf in Lord of the Rings was talking to Frodo. They were sitting in a cave. Frodo was very overwhelmed with having to take the ring. It was totally challenging him, changing him, and he thought at one point it was killing him. And he said he didn't think it was right that he had to choose, he had to have this burden. And the words that Gandalf says to encourage him as they're sitting there together talking, he says, Frodo, be encouraged. One day, everything sad will become untrue. 
That's a great line. He says, you know what? All the suffering, all the struggle, all the prayers, all the weeping, it'll be worth it. You know why? Because someday it's all going to change. All the things that make us cry and weep, shed tears over and over, it's going to become untrue. So until then, we need to pray. And hang on to these verses. God shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. No more crying. No more struggle. No more suffering. But until then, here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be a people who weep. We weep with people. We weep for people. And the horizontal and the vertical keep us on our knees, seeking God, shedding tears until God comes and through tears, he does something to change their lives. I don't know tonight who that is in your life or more that you're praying for and crying over, but don't give up no matter how long it's been. In fact, would you do this? Bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to, in your own heart of hearts, think about that person by, or persons by name. Jeremiah 9.1, he says, Ah, Lord God, oh, that my head were waters. In other words, he's asking God to help him have more tears. Not just so he can say he cried and act spiritual. Because I think he says, I want to have your heart. I want to see people through your eyes. Pray, ask God, oh God, give me eyes that are connected to my heart and most of all yours. So I'm praying for this person, but maybe I need to take him out to lunch. Maybe I need to write him a card or a letter, text them, phone call, have them over, go somewhere with them. Say, God, please, please move me. Your mercies, may they move me to tears. So I'm going to do something, and even more I'm asking that you, through me, do something. Would you pray that? And I'll close here in a moment. Heavenly Father, help us to see people like you do. Because if we have your eyes, we will never close ours. And if we have your heart, and it's full of people, our eyes will be full of tears. To love you supremely, Another sacrificially, it's what we ought to be. Forgive us when it's not, which is too often. Oh God, give us tears. Give us tears for people who don't know you. Give us tears for people who know you and don't live for you. Give us tears for our own 
sinfulness and selfishness, which is too inordinate in our lives. Let us cry because our master cried that in turn we might be more like you and we'll praise you and give you all the glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen.